And I saw him, and I was the first black lawyer I ever saw. And what I loved about his character, right, he, you know, he drove the Beamer, and he lived, he had a condo on the ocean. I was like, I want that. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I'm your host, Ben Hookstra, the other Ben. Uh, Today, we're talking with Municipal Court Judge Derek Mosley. You may have seen him on Instagram at MKE Food Court or on LinkedIn, educating people on black history and equity and unconscious bias. Or maybe you've seen him in court. In this episode, we'll hear more about Judge Mosley, what being a municipal court judge means, and more about his efforts to elevate the Milwaukee food scene, black history, and equity in the city. Well, I'm here with Judge Derek Mosley, a municipal court judge, Milwaukee foodie, public speaker, and so many other things. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Judge Mosley. Sure. Ben, first of all, thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, what's to tell? I'm uh, right now. I'm the uh, chief judge of the city of Milwaukee Municipal Court. Um, we are three judges doing all the municipal ordinance violations in the city. So that ranges from eighty thousand cases to one hundred twenty thousand cases. Prior to that, I was a prosecutor in the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office, and I'm a transplant Chicagoan. Um, but I've adopted, uh, made Milwaukee my adoptive city, and I absolutely love it here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you said as a municipal court judge, you deal with, uh, it was 80,000 municipal court violations a year. What, what is a municipal court violation? What, what does that look like? Like what kind of people come into your courtroom? Who do you interact with? People look just like you and me, right? So this isn't criminal court, right? So they're municipal ordinance violations. So what happens anytime a city of Milwaukee police officer writes a ticket, it comes to court. So that could be anything from a parking ticket, to a speeding ticket, um, but we also do the disorderly conducts, the assault and batteries, um, things of that nature, vandalisms. But we also do uh, juvenile cases, uh, truancy, uh, fights in school, things of that nature. We do building code violations, so landlords in the city who don't have their properties up to code. We do health code violations, so restaurants. You know, you've seen the A letters on the doors of restaurants. Yep, we yep. handle those cases. So, um, you know, places that aren't storing their meat or chicken properly, those cases come to us as well. We I do, appreciate that. Thanks yeah, for you making better sure. believe it. Right. <laughs> so, you know what I tell everybody? I, I, I tell everybody that uh, if you, if you want to know where not to park, not to eat, <laughs> you need to come and talk to us because we know pretty much all of that. Oh, I believe it. That's so interesting. Now, I would expect, uh, I know this is true for me, that a lot of people don't have a great understanding of what a municipal court judge does. That's a really helpful explanation. Tell me, how did you end up as a municipal court judge? I mean, obviously, like you said, you were a prosecutor, you went to law school, but tell me a little bit about your path to what you're doing now and and why you chose that path, too. Yeah, so, um, well, interesting. I'll I'll start this is going to be a little progression. So uh, when I was growing I up, it. I had never seen a black lawyer ever. Yeah. And so I didn't even know they existed, right? And so I remember, I'll, I'll never forget it, 
I'm watching TV. I'm in high school, and a show comes on TV called L.A. Law. And on L.A. Law, there was a young black lawyer was played by actor Blair Underwood. And I saw him, and I was the first black lawyer I ever saw. And what I loved about his character, right, he, you know, he drove the Beamer, and he lived, he had a condo on the ocean. I was like, I want that, right? 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 <laughs> and so that's what launched me into this goal to become a, a lawyer and then eventually a judge. Now, how I got to municipal court, when I was in law school, I did, took part in a program um, where we took law students and they represented people in uh, municipal court. So we called ourselves the Mod Squad. So it was the Municipal Ordinance Defense Squad. So we called ourselves the Mod Squad. That's awesome. Yeah. And so if you were a, a, a kid at UWM and you had a party and the, the police came and they uh, wrote out a bunch of tickets for loud music or underage drinking, you got this third-year law student showing up saying, let's go take this to court, right? And so that's what I did. So that's how I found out about municipal court. Then fortunately for me, uh, my mentor uh, is, is a guy by the name of Lewis Butler. And Lewis Butler was, a, was the municipal court judge, one of the judges in Milwaukee. And he left to go to the circuit court. And so he said, I'm leaving my seat. You need to run for this seat. And the rest is history. He left, went to the Supreme Court eventually. And I've just stayed in his seat for oh, 20 years, coming up in 20 years in August. Wow, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about uh, uh, judges being a, an elected position is something that's not the case everywhere, depending on which level of judge it's not the case. That's kind of an interesting nuance to like how you got into your job. Talk about uh, deciding to, to run for election. Uh, how long are the, are the terms? Like sure. talk to me a little bit about that piece of it. Yeah, so um, yeah, all the judges in the state of Wisconsin have to run for election. So that's one. Secondly, um, all of the judges are, uh, by Supreme Court rule, have to be nonpartisan. So I came from Chicago where everybody runs right. on who they are. I'm the Democrat <laughs> in this race. I'm the Republican. You know, everybody runs on that there. Yep. So you'll see like, a, like a, a judge with a, you got the gavel and then an elephant underneath or a donkey underneath, right? We can't do that here. So here, everybody's supposed to be nonpartisan. Each level has its own amount of terms. So um, municipal courts, four years, circuit courts, six years, and then you have court of appeals, and then you have the Supremes, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. So they're 10 years. So, yeah, and basically people don't understand all of our elections, because we're nonpartisan, all of the judicial elections are in the spring. And that's done on purpose because they don't want us to be lumped in with the November elections, which right. are all partisan, right? right? Governor, president, senator, all that stuff is in November. So we're in the spring, which is a blessing and a curse, right? It's, it's a blessing because many people are like, oh, we just elected judges. I forgot all about that, which is good, right? If, you, <laughs> if, you're, if you're running and you don't want any opponent, people not knowing you run in the spring is pretty good, Right. But it's bad because people don't know you run in the spring, right? And so if you have an opponent, it's a matter of you just got to get out your people because spring elections are notoriously bad when yep. it comes to turnout. Low, low turnout. Yeah, absolutely. Really every, bad. Every time. And so, which is, which is scary because everybody talks about, you know, with the governor or, you know, the mayor and all this, but it, it's the third branch. You know, it's the judicial branch that 
determines whether the maps are correct when you're talking about gerrymandering. Right. Or, you know, whether or not, you know, you have the right to bear arms, whether all those things come down to the third branch. And everybody's all worried about, well, the president's going to take my gun. It's like, no, he's not. The Supreme Court's going to take your guns. <laughs> And, and that's what happens, you know. Right. People don't think about the third branch as being that branch that actually determines the law. I often have thought about that. Like, when I, when I go to vote in the spring election, I see this long list of judges. And one, I have no interaction with them. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know much Which about is good. them usually. Which, yeah, I'm grateful yeah. for that. That's not, that's not a bad thing. But it is interesting because I don't know that I've ever seen any of them run opposed. I've never seen yeah. two candidates on the ballot. I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. never when I yep. voted. That's really interesting to me, those two kind of things next to each other. Now, I would guess that means that once you get in office, a lot of people stay in office a long time. But the other thing I would guess is that that's pretty high stakes because once someone gets in office, if you get someone who's not great, uh, who, who wins a seat as a judge – they might be that judge for a really long time right. and they yeah. might not ever have someone run to oppose them. Right. I'm curious what you've been in your seat 20 years. Yep. What, uh, what is that like for you thinking about, Oh, uh, have you been opposed before in your run? I'd just be curious to hear about that end of it. For so now you're trying to jinx me. I got to knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, I have not been opposed and, you know, sometimes uh, there's you know two ways to look at it, right? You can say people sure. don't know about the spring elections, right? But I like to look at it another way. So here, here's the thing. I, I remember I, I go into schools and talk all the time, right? And I talk to kids, and I always ask them, "Do you know any judges?" Right? And who do they always say? Judge Judy, right? They all say Judge Judy, <laughs> right? And so I thought to myself. Why can't I be that Judge Judy from Milwaukee, right? Where a, a young yeah. black kid in Milwaukee, hey, do you know any judges? Yes, I know Judge Mosley, right? Yeah. And so when people see me and I, I speak in public, I always wear my robe. And, and people always say to me, why are you wearing your robe? And I'm like, because you don't see black men in these robes often enough. So I wear it all the time. So when a kid sees me, remember, I told you how I became a lawyer, right? It right. was a fake character on a TV right. show. So now you're actually seeing a real lawyer. And so um, so I like to think that I don't have an opponent because I'm engaged in the community. So I want people yeah. to think municipal court and then think about me. Think about yeah. my name. Like, like when you think about, do you know any judges? Judge Judy, right? It's just that's how kids operate. So yeah. that's my, my goal is just to make sure when you think about the municipal court, hopefully you think about me and hopefully it's positive. Yeah, and and I I wanted to circle back to the story that you told about how you ended up um, first deciding you wanted to pursue being a lawyer, like that idea that like representation matters. Like you saw someone that looked like you playing that character. Yeah, it was fictional, but it, it meant something to you that like now your imagination could go there. And you just talked about like that's important for you to be that same thing. Tell me a little bit more about that. Have there been been ways that that's made your role extra challenging? I mean, you're you're a public figure. You're trying to fulfill uh, a, something that was really important to you growing up. I, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how that feels yeah. and what that experience has been like. It's really funny that you asked that question because that's on my mind all the time. For sure. And, um, it, you know... You know what? I'm going to take pride in this. So I was a latchkey kid growing up. But I don't know if you're familiar with that. But yep. the way that was, you know, both your parents worked. They, I had a key around my neck. I would leave school, go home, open the door, close the door, lock the door, don't answer the phone. Don't do, I was just that kid. So 
you know, sad as it was, TV essentially raised me, right? I sure. would come home until my parents got home late. We would eat dinner. And then, and so I watched a lot of TV. And so that was my influence. And um, like I said, I'd never seen a black lawyer before. And kids today are sort of like the same thing. So I have kids that come into my court and I say, what do you want to do when you grow up? I ask every juvenile that comes to my court, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because no one asks them that. Yeah. No one ever asks them that. And so I say, what do you want to do? And they all look at me puzzled like no one's ever asked me that before, which is we should be asking our kids this all the time. And what do they all say? I want to pay for the books, right? You know, <laughs> I, I want to be Giannis. I, I want to yep. be Giannis, right? <laughs> Why do they want to be Giannis? Because Giannis is who they see, right? They see it every day. Same way I saw this actor on TV who had the BMW and lived on the ocean. And even though that was fake, that's what I saw and that's what I wanted. They see Giannis yeah. and they see what he's all about. So when I say it's funny that you brought that up, I, I, I am rolling out a program in July. And uh, the purpose of this program is to do what we just talked about. So I always ask kids, what do you want to do for a living? So this program is putting that into an actual program. So the way it works is this. It's a Monday through Friday program. Uh, it's from 9 to noon, so it's only a half day for kids. I don't want to overdo it. Sure. And it's called the MEDAL program, M-E-D-A-L. And that is an acronym for Medicine, Engineering, Dentistry, Architecture, and Law. And so it's one week, half day each week. So on Monday, the kids go to the Medical College of Wisconsin. They sit in the classroom. They meet other med students, meet med students of color. Um, yeah. So they may not have seen, and that's indigenous, black, uh, Latinos. They see it all, Asian. And so they yep. want to see people that look like them. They talk about what it takes to go to med school. They meet with the admissions counselor, and you got to take these classes. So we put these kids on this path, right? And then they get a lot of swag, right? You get a shirt that says, <laughs> no, yep. come on, man. Let me yep. tell you right now. If there's one thing about David Gruber is you put that on a shirt and people will wear it, right? And so oh, one call that's all is on the back of so many T-shirts yes. around Milwaukee. Yeah, so I learned <laughs> that from him. So I'm going to give him props for that. So, sure. um, so I want a kid to walk down the street with a Medical College of Wisconsin shirt on, right? And so Tuesday's engineering. So the kids go to MSOE and they meet with engineering students. And, and this time they're going to actually build a robot. And, and make the robot move and understand how engineering is all about that. And then Wednesday's a dental school at Marquette. They're going there, and they're actually going to get white lab coats and learn how to uh, fill a tooth, a fake tooth. And uh, Friday, uh, Thursday is architecture. So they're going to MATC. We're taking all of MATC, so the drafting, the architecture piece, but also, you know, the gap year piece. You know, people want to yeah. take a gap year or the trades, Right. We don't talk about the trades. Right. And then finally, Friday is my love. This is the law school at Marquette. And they're going in. They're going to learn how to argue a case and tell their side. Even if their side is wrong, they're going to learn how to argue that case. And so by the end of that week, I want those kids to start thinking about, man, I didn't know this was all on my plate, right? And so it's funny that you brought that up because that's a, it's, it's launching this July. And it's just crazy that if you let kids see something, they think they can do it. And then you tell them how to get there, man, come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so if, if let's say we have a listener who, who hears about that, which mm -hmm. sounds like an amazing initiative, someone much needed in Milwaukee, uh, how would they learn more? Where would they go? Maybe they want to get involved. Where, where, yeah. where can you send them? Yeah, so uh, the best thing I would say right now um, is to probably just drop me an email. And uh, my email is uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y at Milwaukee dot gov. And so I... Just want 
people to know that it's for middle school students. Um, I could have done high school, but in many respects, we need to come a little bit sooner. Yep. Um, especially with the, the this COVID two years where these kids have lost a lot of brain drain. Um, so I want to grab them earlier. So they're thinking about it earlier. And so, yeah, middle school students, um, this is the pilot coming out this July and hopefully it goes well and we'll make it bigger and bigger. So we get more kids in there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I imagine, uh, that was a lot of work to start that. I mean, you have to get all these partners on board. You have to, you have to find students. Um, you have to make the connections there to do that. Are you doing that solo? Do you have some key partners? Like, tell me more about the, how this was built out. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, so uh, initially this was a program that was uh, run 20 years ago. And then it just yeah. fell apart because, like you said, someone has to be engaged to link everybody together, right? Yep. It's not yep. going to happen organically. And so, um, fortunately for me, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I know, I mean, I'm on the board of Freighter, right? So... I got the Medical College of Wisconsin. I know a number of people who work at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Um, one of my good friends is, uh, works over at MSOE uh, in the dean's office. And then I have friends over at uh, MATC. So I had those connections, right? So that was, that was nice. It was just a matter of getting those people in the same room, which I don't know if it's a lot easier when, you, when, when it comes from judge letterhead than it comes from anything <laughs> else. But – they all showed up, and they're all willing and able, and I couldn't be more thankful to every one of them that is a part of this program because they get it. They get it too, right? They understand that if this city's ever going to make it, we need these graduates to come out and be productive. Yeah, and it feels especially timely. I know that you don't typically deal with, with criminal cases, but, I mean, I think one of the conversations we keep having in Milwaukee lately is about the uptick in violence, about the upticks in, in things like car thefts, and, and the fact that, that many folks who are, are doing those things are on the younger side, and that something like this is also about providing them an alternative. Yes. It's, it's them being able to see Maybe maybe they're really bad at basketball. I'm terrible at basketball. I could never be Giannis. Um, <laughs> no, but, but neither can they, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's what's so funny because I say to them, so what do you want to do? Like, I want to play for the Bucks. I'm like, okay, who do you play for now? Well, I don't play for anybody now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, when, I, when I tell you that it's not all about seeing it, it's also letting them know how to achieve it. And so yeah. that's why I wanted to get them into the school, to talk to the students that look like them, to see the professors that look like them. Because you have to have that second piece. Without that second piece, it's just a dream, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, that's really, that's really interesting and, and so glad you shared about that. Yeah, you that. set that up nicely. I didn't even tell you that up front. <laughs> hey, uh, you got a lot of co cool things going on. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because, hey, you're, you're, you're a complicated guy. You're doing lots of different stuff. The other thing you really enjoy is uh, the Milwaukee food scene. Yeah. Now, you have an Instagram. You've been yeah. really involved in that. Tell me a bit about how that got started yeah. and, and what you do there. So I guess that got started because, oh, I love to eat, right? That, that's how that started initially. Amen to that. Right? Amen Thank to that. You, right? <laughs> yeah. And so fortunately for us, we live in Milwaukee. And we have a chef scene in Milwaukee that is almost like no other place. I mean, granted, yeah. there's chefs all over the country, but a chef who will be like, uh, you want to see how I made this? Come on back. I'll show you how I made it. 
You know, you don't you don't see that in Chicago or New York right. and L.A., right? But in Milwaukee, chefs will be like, hey, you like what you – come on back, do this. If you ever want to come in and, and do a shift with me. And that's how I got engaged. I just – I learned so much about food. I can't cook, but I can eat. <laughs> and so I, I go and I, I meet with the chefs and we eat and they tell me new things and teach me new things and new places and – that's how it all started. And if it wasn't for that community, it never it just would have been a guy who liked to eat a lot, right? But that community kind of wired me in because there's just so it blew up and you realize how great this community is during the pandemic. Right? Yeah. I mean, there were restaurants that were making no money, but were still providing community meals for Milwaukee citizens yep. every single day and made no money whatsoever right there let you know how our community is and so yeah. you know that became really easy to pub those guys right those guys and gals just to be like hey come on look at this we've got great chefs and they care yeah. about our community yeah. so you know Absolutely. that's how it all started now it's just like you know i just want to get as many people to try different places wait you know what i learned about milwaukee as a transplant is that we are Creatures of habit here, right? <laughs> yep, yep. So you talk to somebody, it's Friday, where are you going to go eat? Oh, Friday, I always get a fish fry at Kegels, or I always go, you know, and I'm just like, come on, man. We have all these other places you can go to. Try about we are creatures of habit. And so if I can tell people, hey, you know, you should try this place over here. And so I'm getting people who generally wouldn't go try African or wouldn't go try Ethiopian or Korean, and I'm getting – Groups of people trying different places. That's the best part for me. It's like when someone sends me a message and says, I had never had uh, African before. And yeah. then you put, posted about Emmy's African cuisine on Oakland. I went and I'm, I'm in love. I went twice this week. And it's, That's awesome. it makes me feel great. I don't yeah. get a dime out of that. Yeah. But it makes me feel great that they're helping Emmy's out who helped so many people out during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing you were saying earlier about how like, being, being a transplant gives you different perspective. I think one of the things many people who didn't grow up in Milwaukee and end up here or maybe who left and came back is Milwaukee has this like level of, of lack of pretension. Like so many other places you go, Chicago being mm -hmm. one of them. You better believe it. It's who you know. It's who you can connect people with. And I'm not saying that never happens in Milwaukee, but it is different. It There's is something different. different. Yep. I, I'll tell you this. I became a judge here in Milwaukee at 31. Yeah. That would have never happened in Chicago. Unless your name was Daly, maybe. But <laughs> aside from that, that would never happen, right? And so that's what I love about Milwaukee. Here's, I, I, came, I literally came to Marquette like sight unseen, yeah. right? And I came here, walked in, didn't know anybody, and, you know, at 31 and become a judge. That only happens in certain places, and Milwaukee is one of those places. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, I've seen uh, on LinkedIn or other places that you do a lot of, and you mentioned it earlier, you do a lot of like public speaking mm -hmm. in schools or to businesses or to different community groups um, about a lot of different topics. But ones I've seen you often talk about are things like black history and equity and different things in those areas. Tell me a bit about that project. What, what prompted some of that? And also, why is that so important to you to show up in those places and have those conversations? So... What, what got me on the, the black history, and so every February, um, you can follow my at Judge Mosley Instagram post or follow on Facebook. I put out for 28 straight days, I put out a different black history fact. And to me, I, you know, I, I don't think they're that unusual, but people always like, this little known black history fact. I'm like, wow. 
I, I didn't really know it was it was little known. And so what happened was I had kids and yeah. they weren't coming home with books that had people that looked like them in it. Yeah. And so it became really important to me that they understood who they were. And so that's what launched this. And and it, when I talk about blow up, it has literally blown up. Um, and I love it because we don't teach black history. So I, I make sure I put that out when I give speeches. I give a black history speech every February. It doesn't even have to be February. I do them all year round. Amen to that. And then um, I'm really big on unconscious bias. Right? right now, unconscious bias is like the speech I give the most to corporations and uh, uh, health networks and things of that nature because we realize that we've all been raised a certain way, and that way we've been raised and history is a piece of it, is we only learned really one side of history, right? So, and I, I tell this story all the time. If you watch Saving Private Ryan, popular movie, right? We won Oscars. I think Tom yep. Hanks even got an Oscar for the movie, right? Yep. If you watch that movie, which is a, supposed to be the most accurate depiction of war, you would believe there weren't any black people who fought in World War II. Because yeah. there's not one in there, right? Yeah. You know, and so yeah. you, you watch that movie and you're like, and so I grew up with this feeling like, and even when they talk about this is the greatest generation, you see this always like an old white man walking, and I'm just like, <laughs> like we didn't do anything. But, you know, there were over almost 400,000 black soldiers during World War II that you don't hear their stories, right? Um, you know, you hear little bits and pieces, like you heard about Red Tails and the Tuskegee Airmen and things of that nature, but right. you don't see them in movies like you see um, – different types of movies that are shown. So it's important if you don't see that side of other side of history, you believe that other people didn't contribute anything to this country, right? Yeah. And so, but once you really break it down and see what happened, the contributions from not just black people, but Latinos and Asians and, and all the sacrifices that they made to make America, right? It's, uh, you either, either it is the biggest crime of history that we don't teach this or we are the most ignorant group of people because all that stuff's out there it's always been out there and fortunately the internet has now made it available you know history books the people who wrote history books knew this was going on but if you don't write about it that was their only source right yeah but now you can't hide these things yeah. and now you can find out where these things are and and wisconsin's a, a great example i mean yeah it, the state of Wisconsin has 600 historical markers, right? Of the 600 historical markers, there are six dedicated to African Americans. There are zero dedicated to Asian Americans. There are zero dedicated to Latino Americans. And, and you think about that, we have 600 of these across the state, and we don't have one Latino marker, one Asian marker, and their contributions to the state. And so that's what I try to get out when I give this speech. That you've been told a story. There's more out there. And so it's important that we engage to find out what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And yeah. Until you learn. And, and that's the name of my lecture. It's called uh, Unconscious Bias, Knowing What You Don't Know. Right? That's exactly. Come on, man. What are you I, doing I, swear, over here? I didn't even do the research. Well, what before are you this? doing? <laughs> you know, oh, I can't man. remember the exact quote, but Maya Angelou says something like, do the best you can until you know better. 
And then when you know better, mm. do better. Yeah. Right? And that just that sums it up, right? Yeah. Do the best you can yeah. until you know better. And yeah. then once you know better, do better. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, one of the things we talk about uh, on our podcast is that we always want to have, have action steps for our listeners, ways that they can can do something about conversations like this, because it, it's so easy to, to listen to a cool podcast and walk away and forget about it. Right. Um, and so one thing we often talk about uh, is, is action steps to engage more in the community or other things. I'm curious for you, you have all these different things you're, yeah. you're involved in, all these things that you're passionate about. What would be the action step or maybe one or two action steps uh, that you would have for our listeners? Yeah, and actually, this would actually go back to the unconscious bias piece. Because one of the things I talk about to mitigate your unconscious bias is to have positive interactions with people who are different from you. And so that's the one thing about the state and the city in, in many respects, that we don't do. We don't know each other, yeah. right? I mean, we, have, we, we had legal segregation called Jim Crow, right? Remember, colored water fountains, white water fountains, entrances, things like that. And then the Supreme Court said you can't do that anymore. And so now we were supposed to be integrated. And then we've now self-segregated ourselves, right? We don't go to school together. We don't live in neighborhoods together. And so that's my action step is that we need to do things with people who look different from us because that's what fires up people in school board meetings and all this mm -hmm. stuff because they don't know, right? Yeah. So I always do this. Like when I give this speech, I tell everybody, I said, I want everybody right now to write down for me the three most trusted people in your life. And everybody's like, okay. And then I say, but they can't be family. And everyone's like, oh. And so they write it down. And then I come back to a little bit later. I said, all right, I want you to do this. I want you to put a check next to the person who shares the same race as you. Put a check next to the person who shares the same gender as you. Put a check by the person who speaks the same language as you, meaning as a first language. So English is the first language or English is the second language. Put a check by the person who has the same ability level as you. Are you disabled or are they disabled? Things of that nature. And what we find out when we do that study is that our most trusted people look just like us. Wow. And the reason why that's so bad is because we are the people who are hiring, promoting, firing. And who are you going to hire? You're going to hire the people you trust the most. And those are the people who look like you, right? Yeah. And so that's my action step is to have interactions with people who are different from you. Fortunately, we have a number of ways to do that, right? You can go down to right now, you can go down to the festival grounds and you will see some type of ethnic festival going on, right? Whether it's Irish Fest, Polish Fest, Mexican Fiesta. And what they realized was everybody went to Irish Fest, right? <laughs> everybody went to German Fest and Polish Fest, but the darker the person, the fest, the least amount of people went to the fest. Mexican <laughs> Fiesta, African world, oh no, right? And, 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 and so we don't even take advantage of the things that we have here. And there's another thing I want to bring attention to. There's an amazing woman in Milwaukee by the name of Emerald Mills. And Emerald does this thing called Diverse Dining. And it is phenomenal. Unfortunately, now she's on the first floor of Turner Hall. And so you have a meal. You sit at a table with people who are not like you. Mm -hmm. And you are forced to just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. We don't have conversation. I mean, you know, you pass somebody in the office like, hey, how you doing? Hey, that's our interaction with someone who looks <laughs> different than us, right? You know, or you're stuck in the elevator together. Oh, how you doing? How was your day? You know, it was just, you know, those are just meaningless conversations. But we're not going to lunch. 
Yeah. We're not grabbing drinks after work. You know, I'm not having you over to my house for dinner. Yep. And so that's the problem. Have positive interactions with people who are different from you. Yeah, that's so important to have those personal relationships with people that don't look like you. Because then when that, that thought or assumption or someone says something, you, you notice it. Oh, yes. And, and that, you say that's messed up. Oh. And it's so important to, to notice that and to call attention to it. And sometimes we're, we're afraid to talk about it, but uh, that, that really needs to happen. And we really do need to have those conversations. Oh, yeah. It's real. No doubt. And that's why it's just so important to have those relationships because then you notice these things and you can, you can do that work that really matters. You better believe it. And what you just said, that conversation that you just had is arguably the most powerful conversation. It's a more powerful conversation than me having it with that person, mm. right? Because you look like them, right? Mm. And when you say, no, you really shouldn't do that, that carries weight. Mm. And so here's my second action step. One, engage in positive interactions with people who are different from you. And two, stand up and speak to people who aren't in the room. Speak about people who aren't in the room. Stand mm -hmm. up for people who aren't in the room because your voice carries more weight than that person you're standing up for. This isn't the first time you've heard a guest talk about the importance of representation on Bridge the City. I think it's easy for us to not know what we don't know and hard to dream towards something if you aren't convinced it's possible. Judge Mosley's story reminds me of how much it does matter when our media and stories better represent all communities and how people like Judge Mosley rise to the challenge. It was great hearing about new things he's working on, like metal. I loved his action step too. Make sure your community doesn't all look like you. Show up in places that you aren't used to. You'll learn a lot. And speak up for the people who aren't in the room. As always, if you enjoy the podcast and are able to financially support us so we can continue volunteering to make this happen, please do at patreon.com slash bridge the city. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to reach out and share how you are helping bridge the city. Bridge the city. Whoa.